Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at borocitychurch.com. That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at borocitychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. It is uh, a pleasure to be with you all. Um, so good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I'm a little, I came up a little short. My family had to stay back in Louisville this morning. Uh, we, my wife had some teaching responsibilities this morning. We teach a Sunday school class together and uh, second graders. And uh, she, she's there holding it down at Buck Run uh, Baptist Church for us this morning. And uh, the rest of the crew stayed with her. So I, I think some of you all, when you, when you saw it was coming, I think y'all actually like my wife and kids better than me. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you hear that, right? <laughs> yeah, somebody did. And uh, so, no, we, they, they send their regrets this morning. They sent a the picture and stuff, and yeah, they're all, they're all good, set, and ready to go at church. So again, I'm thankful to be with you. I did want to share that in case some of you all are looking uh, for them. I won't be labor any longer, uh, and I'm going to, again, pray for us. I'm going to, uh, very quickly, I'll just kind of summarize. I'll read through Psalms 25 this morning. And then what I'll do so you can kind of track where I'm going. I know you all have seen multiple preachers this summer. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of survey uh, the, the, the Psalms in about five to seven minutes, right? And then I'll cycle back through that, and then I'll work through five C's this morning, okay? And, and, I, and, I, and I was struggling, just to, be, just to be frank. First of all, this psalm is like a psalm for myself. I need to depend upon the Lord. I need his guidance. And so when I was asked, I preached a psalm, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm preaching, right? I've been trying to memorize this thing and live it out even now. And then, we'll, and then we'll spend some time going through that as well together. I'll have five application points for us, and I'll try to repeat those things uh, for us as, mi- as many times as possible, okay? Now, if you need me to repeat something, like I'm say, hey, can you say that again, okay? Because I, not, not only is this a preaching moment, but I think we also, we, this is a teaching moment for us as well. And I'm a teacher by nature, and I don't mind people yelling at me, repeat that again, you messed up. <laughs> Let me pray for us. God, I am thankful to be able to fellowship with other believers this morning. How sweet an opportunity for us to engage one another, engage the text, engage you, exalt you, to look upon you this morning, Father, and it warms my soul. And I hope that other souls in this room, in this place, are warmed as well. Father, we exalt you. I know me, right? I know, Lord, that I am not worthy to speak and proclaim your truths. I just know me and you know me and it blows my mind that you would call me to do this. And Satan throws his darts and and we're constantly, Lord, I'm constantly trying to deflect them and you constantly remind me that you have called me and the chains have been broken and you keep me and you are faithful. You are faithful lover of my soul. You are my individual God and Father. That's good for me to know this morning. And I pray, Lord, that believers are encouraged and that I show you in such a way that I speak of you in such a way that if Satan is trying to to hide individuals from you, that, that the veil will be broken and that we would all see you this morning new and fresh and real. And if there is any unsaved person in this room, may they come to know you this morning. May you may may a seed fall on good 
fertile soil this morning. Lord, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. I don't want to be remembered. But what I do want people to see is you. I want them to hear you. And I want them to remember these words of you from you as a love letter to our hearts. Father, hide me behind your cross. You know I can say foolish things, Lord. So keep me this morning. Keep me this morning. Hide me in you. In Jesus' name, I pray and believe. And all the believers said together, amen or amen. Thank you, Elijah. What if you all roll with here, right? What if you all roll? Um, again, so I'm going to jump in. Have you all noticed? I'm in Psalms 25 this morning. But have you ever noticed that people often give you like unsolicited advice. Don't look at the person sitting next to you. I ain't trying to start nothing this morning, all right? <laughs> but not only like people in this room, but then on television, right? Like they, they, they tell you what kind of car to buy. They tell you what you're going to eat for dinner. You're eating this for dinner tonight, right? They tell you what kind of makeup to wear. They tell you where to dress. They tell you what to, what to wear. They tell you where to go to school. They tell you where to shop. They tell all, and all of that is like unsolicited guidance constantly this is constant hey you need to do this you need to do that you need to do this you need to do that and so our minds are constantly being given what it is we should do from a bunch of people who really don't know the lord many of them now i'm not knocking marketing completely right they're probably i have godly friends who are marketers right and again i do need to know what to eat and i do need to know like good vehicles about so those things are not bad in and of themselves i'm not saying that but what i am saying as a believer all those things become subordinate to the scripture we need guidance but what we need guidance from is not the television or the media sources or or, or our ungodly friends or co-workers or our unbelieving friends what we need guidance from is jesus what we need guidance from is god's word and so we see that in the song today constant push to have us to do something and david's like no lord i need i need guidance from you i need guidance from you so david penned the psalm and it's important as we, as we look and as we read through the psalms you all may have heard this like these are this is a real living human being who wrote this and, and, it, and it's awkward trying to preach like somebody else's prayer or their journal, right? So I'm just saying, Lord, like, like, how do I take 22 verses of what took years for David to write and give it to your people in two hours this morning? Just kidding, not two hours. <laughs> there you go, man. And give it to, and give it to our hearts in like so many minutes or so, right? <laughs> I don't want to start clock watching on me like he said 25 minutes. All right, listen. So, so that, that's, the, that, that's what's perplexing here. So that's the reason why I want to kind of do a general overview and then want to kind of point to some of the highlighting factors in David's song. Because our prayer lives, if you pray and you are a prayer and you listen to people who pray, they can be all over the place sometimes. You let you start by exalting God and then you're thanking him for all that he's given to you. And then you're praying for a sick coworker and then you're thanking him again. And then you're grieving your sins and then you're praying for your mother. And then you're, and then you're looking back again at your sins and then you're praying for financial needs. So that they, and we see this in the Psalms. And that's why I'll kind of do some, 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 some back and forth a little bit this morning. I want you all to track with me even through David's song. So let's, let's quick overview this morning. I'll read it in its entirety and then we'll, and then we'll kind of summarize David's words. Here the word of the Lord is written in Psalms 25 through the pen of David by the Holy Spirit given to us this morning. How sweet is that? Man, that's good news. 
The Bible says, Lord, I appeal to you, my God. I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Oh, those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love In truth, to those who keep in covenant and decrees, Lord, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquities for it is immense. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. My eyes. Always on the Lord, for he will put my feet, pull my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. The distresses of my heart increase. Bring me out of my suffering. Consider my afflictions and trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies. They are numerous and they hate me violently. Guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. May integrity in what is right watch over me. For I wait for you. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. Y'all see that? Y'all see how David is kind of like, he's here and he's saying this. So so I'm going to summarize this. So in in, in, in five things, here are five things that I want to hit on this morning. One, I want to describe the Lord as the creator. The second thing I'll do, I'll describe the reason for the prayer in the circumstances. The third thing I'll I'll pray to do this morning is describe the person who is praying. It's David and the confession. And then I'll describe the request or the call or the plea. And then I'll describe the reason for David's confidence this morning. That's what I hope to do as we make our way through the psalm this morning. The creator. Who do we talk to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump now to verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 8 because this highlights how David is constantly reflecting back to who the creator is in this passage. Now here, here to the word of the Lord. David says, David says, guide me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. In verse 5, David said, hey, listen, you are the God of my salvation. So why do we talk to God? That's the question. A lot, of, a lot of people want us to talk to them. You may be tempted to talk to a lot of people, right? I get that, okay? However, we should continually seek to talk to God. Why should we talk to God? Because he is the God of our salvation. 
And if you're struggling, like, what is salvation? He is the God who holds eternity, your eternity in his hand. Now, check this out, because David is still pushing into his characteristics, the creator and and the attributes of God. In verse six, he says, listen, here's why else I should talk to God, because he has compassion. Everybody you talk to won't have compassion on your situation. Like compassion is taught. We're trying to teach our kids now, have compassion about that thing. This is, don't, don't walk back like it didn't happen. No, pay attention to that. So here's the gift. But that is who God is. Why would we talk to him? Because he has compassion. Whatever it is you're going through. I mean, listen, here, let me, frankly speaking, y'all, I drop the ball when I talk to my wife sometimes. She brings an issue to me, and I'm, I should be feeling compassion. And as much as I'm trying to teach my kids how to show compassion, I blow it. And sometimes she walks away, or we walk, she's like, I thought you were going to have more compassion than that. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thanks, brother. But you look at him funny. All right. All right. <laughs> but he is a God of compassion. And David knows that. David knows that. He said he is, he, he's, 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 he has compassion. And then, and then he goes on to say, and your faithful love. There is no faithful lover like the Lord. Now, David knows himself as an unfaithful lover. He had a wife and he cheated on, he had friends and he, and, and he did them wrong. He knows himself as unfaithful, but he knows God as faithful. And so if you're looking for somebody to show compassion to your every single need and concern, and you're looking for someone who has faithfulness beyond any human being's capacity, it is God the Father. Why do we talk to the Creator? Because of who He is. And then the Bible goes on to say in the latter part of verse 6, for they have existed from antiquity. From the beginning of time, it's just who he is. Everybody else is trying to become something, and we're praying for these to be more like God, but it is just who he is. Antiquity. Think about how long ago that was, and then come back to me after the service. So we look at the creator. We're looking at the creator. Why should we talk to God? Because he hears us. He is trustworthy. He teaches us and he forgives. Y'all, you can take any concern to God and he will forgive you. Don't that just blow your mind? Let that sit for a minute. Whatever it is you've done, you take it easy. Oh, I got that. I got that. I can cover that. My application point number one. We exalt the Lord. We exalt him. As God of our salvation, as God of antiquity, as a God who has great compassion, as a God who is faithful. Number one thing you ought to do in your prayer life is exalt God. Is exalt God. And it's not difficult to do when you sit still and you think. When you sit still and you think about just how good he is to us. Now, so we talked a little bit about the creator. That was like nine minutes on the creator. Point number two, the circumstance. That's my second C, right? What should prompt us to pray? Right, so first we look, we look at the creator, right? Now we're looking at the circumstance. What prompted David to pray? Let's, let's just scurry along through some verses right quick, right? So verse number two, David says, my God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. Evidently, his enemies are after him. Now, if you've read through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, you read through some of the historical books of the Bible, you know that David had some enemies, right? He had many enemies. 
Many of his enemies wanted to gloat over him. If you haven't read those things, I'm telling you now, David had enemies and go back and read those passages. Okay, he did. And now he's saying, don't let my enemies gloat over me. So here are a few things that prompted David to pray. Number one, his enemies. Number two, we'll see loneliness. Number three, we'll see affliction. Number four, we'll see distress. Number five, we'll see trouble. Number six, we'll see sin. Number seven, we'll see suffering. People's pins are moving. I'll say those again. Number one, enemies. Number two, loneliness. Number three, affliction. Number four, distress. Number five, trouble. Six, sin. Seven, suffering. I'll say those a couple more times as we go through. So, so my point here is, as we survey through this psalm, we see that David was able to take all these circumstances to the Lord. Now, I know I have many advisors, right? I do in my life, many advisors and many mentors. I understand that some situations I can only take to certain mentors, right? I can only take to certain guys. Maybe because he does, have, he does have kids or he doesn't have kids or he is a businessman or she is a businesswoman or they've written and studied in this area. But that's not the case with our Lord. We can take every circumstance to him, all of them. Because he is boundless in his knowledge. He is self-existent. He knows all things. He is incomprehensible. Right? That's, that's who he is. And so check out verse 2. David said, listen, threats from my enemies, Lord. Now he's slain Goliath and David slain his, no, Saul slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. So David had made some enemies, conquering lands and killing people. Many of the, many, most of the in the name of the Lord which is another complex issue that I'm not talking about right now. <laughs> I'm not talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to leave that alone. All right. But then we get down to verse 16. And this is like the prayer of the, of the natural human being because David is a person. And he says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am alone. Like, so loneliness prompted David to write. Loneliness prompted David to pray. Like, like, listen, we get lonely sometimes. You can be in a room with a lot of people and still be lonely. David was lonely. I guarantee you, David had people in and around his life. But, you know, fleshly people in and around your life doesn't mean you can't be lonely. And David experienced loneliness. He was a king. He ran armies, right? This thing came off my ear. Hold on, y'all. I got it. This is awkward, but we'll get it. Hold on. It's an awkward moment, awkward preacher moment. Just hold on. Don't get distracted. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay, cool. All right, good. All right. So, so David was so David was lonely, right? He was lonely, and we all experienced that. So, believers in the room, just because you are in proximity or you have people in your small groups and you're in their lives, don't think that they can't be suffering with loneliness. We have to dig in. We have to we have to talk with them. And then David was afflicted. Now, many things could have afflicted David. His own sin had afflicted him. We'll see that in a few other verses. Other people were entreated on his life. So, so life's circumstances, right, like affliction at work actually happens. And so think through that as you're praying with people and as you're engaging with people, those things happen. So what prompted, what was the circumstance? It was his enemies. It was his loneliness. It was the affliction and then distress. And David, I believe he, cho- no, I don't believe, I do believe he chooses particular words to exalt. Have you all ever been praying and you pray for something for like peace and then you cycle back and you say, Lord, just let everything be okay. 
And some people say, no, those are like the same thing. Like, no, they're a little bit different. When I'm asking the Lord to let everything be okay and I'm praying for peace, those are, those are two different things. And so as we look at David's life and he's talking about affliction and then distress and trouble, those are complicated things. That's why when in, in these 22 verses that he's writing, right, it, it, it's a life to write these verses. And so distress, the pain or suffering affecting the body. Like, how many of y'all ever had real stress? Like work stress, family stress, all those things can drive you crazy. It's this inner eating of what's going on typically in your mind, sometimes in your body. David's saying, hey, I need help with this circumstance. What I'm trying to paint right now, saints, is there is nothing that you cannot take to the Lord. Any circumstance. And then he talks about his trouble. Any of it, you all, you can take to him. Number one, point number one, we want to exalt the creator. Point number two, what should, we, what should cause us to pray? All things. Number two, seek the Lord in all circumstances. And we see this. We see this. And then, hey, no prayer is complete without confession. It's like a meal without bacon. Right? It's like, it's like, what? Hey, I'm sorry. Listen, I think, this, I think it's like Romans 14, 13. He says, hey, don't accuse those who eat and those who don't eat. Right? The Lord upholds us all. So if you're a bacon eater or not a bacon eater, that's cool. <laughs> but a prayer without confession is like a cheeseburger without bacon. Like, give me double the bacon. The good kind. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's bad kind of bacon and good kind of bacon. <laughs> so then David confesses his sin, y'all. And it's a safe place to confess the sin. First see the creator, second see the circumstance, next the confession. On what did David reflect? On what did David confess? Let's check this out. Verse 7 says, Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. So David right now is confessing the sins of his youth. Now, this, so, so John Calvin would say, hey, th- th- this psalm was written uh, probably during the time when Absalom, his son, was trying to get at him and, and overthrow the kingdom. So David had done some living at this point, right? So, so, so if you're like, like 18, even though I think you could sin tremendously at 18 or 20 or whatever, it may be kind of hard to say, like, what, 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 what does it mean all of, all of my youth, right? But those of us who've grown <clears throat> and got a little gray hair and the older you get, the more sins, you know, just are constantly piled up. And you look back and you say, man, however, many, however old I am, I've been piling up sin all this time. And David is saying here, the confession is all the sins of my youth and the acts of rebellion. David's looking deep in the own recesses of his heart and said, I have rebelled against your word. What am I saying to us saints? It is safe to take the sins that you have committed as a youth and even the acts of your rebellion and say, Lord, will you please forgive me of those things? And then he works his way down to verse 11. You see how he's kind of all over the place? He's praying about his sins and then he prays the Lord. And then in verse 11, he hits it again. He says, listen, listen to verse 11, Lord, for the sake of your name. Now this is good here because he's not talking about himself. David is not, he's not, this whole psalm, this whole piece is about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. He said, listen, Lord, for your name's sake, forgive my iniquity. The gross injustices are the iniquities. Forgive me, Lord, for all that crazy stuff I've done. I'm, you know, I'm wondering if David at this point is thinking, man, I stole a man's wife and had him murdered. 
that's a gross injustice as much as David writes about having justice and being righteous he himself had committed iniquities unknown to some of our hearts and he said Lord for your name forgive me of my sin application point number three confess your sins to the Lord confess your sins to the Lord Number one, we ought to exalt Christ in our prayer life, exalt the Lord in our prayer life. Number two, we ought to seek the Lord in all circumstances. Number three, we need to confess everything to the Lord. And now fourth C here is the call. What was David's request? So now we've talked about how, how we ought to confess since the thing we ought to confess. Now, now, now what is it that we ask the Lord for? Here, here is what I begin, like what I begin to really to meditate upon the psalm in our personal life. Because I, I would, y'all, I want to be fine. I would ask the Lord, Lord, guide me as I'm teaching and preaching this lesson. Help me say helpful things to my wife. Let me exalt you in this day. But I would, but like what I would consider, what I had, what I had considered before, like study of this, like frivolous things, like what I should eat and what I should wear. Like I would, I, got, I wouldn't ask the Lord for guidance on those things. And maybe even now you're saying, no, we don't, I don't need to ask the Lord what I should put on in the morning. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Everything. We take everything to him in prayer. You may say, hey, you're being a little too, a little too minute here. No, I'm just saying, hey, we take everything to him in prayer. Who should you date? Ask God. Should you go on a date? Ask God. Who should you marry? Ask God. Should you buy a car now? Ask God. What kind should you buy? Ask God. Where are you going to eat after church? Ask God. He'll tell you all of those things. Why? Because he cares about all of those things. And even as we think sometimes decisions like, like where are we going to eat are like minute or are insignificant. You can end up sharing the gospel with a waiter or a waitress or helping some stranger en route to the location. We take all things to the Lord in prayer. Because people are trying to tell us what we ought to do and try to give us guidance on all things. We say, I don't want your guidance. I want the Lord's guidance. Now, what I'm not saying is that we don't seek godly counsel. So when wise people are trying to press into your life, don't say, oh, the pastor said, I just need God's counsel. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, that's not what I'm saying. The Bible tells us we can learn a lot from wise counsel. So listen to them and lean into them and glean into them. And that was one of my issues. Now, let's see this. In verses 1, 4, 5, David makes his, his request to the Lord. Number one, say, don't let, don't let me be disgraced. I made a transition from teaching full-time at Boyce College and Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is a Christian institution. Now I have pivoted, pivoted now this year, and I'm teaching at Kentucky State University. And I know for a fact I have real enemies there. Sister, I'm like, man, like, yeah, it's like real enemies, real-life people who, who don't like the fact that I want to exalt the Lord and make his name known and the fact that I want to walk with integrity and to do what is right. Real people, they, 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 they don't get it. And so I understand this. Lord. And so when I'm saying, Lord, don't let me be disgraced in front of them. Like for your name's sake, Lord, would you please keep me? Check out David here in verses one, four, five. He says, listen, it's like make, 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 make. Help me out a little bit. Hear the word of David. He says this. 
Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. We see, make your ways known. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. He's asking the Lord every single thing. Hey, Lord, teach me what David had understood really at this point in his life was every single thing is significant. Just think for example, just think for a minute. If David would have said, if he would have got up the morning that he slain Goliath and said, you know what, should I go out there and serve my, my brothers and the other armies or not? Like what, what if he just didn't do that? What if he did not act in obedience to going out there and, and killing the giant? Goliath could have died in some other way. The Lord is sovereign. He could have worked his, mirror, his miraculous plan some other way. But David, in obedience to the Lord, in obedience to walking with the Spirit, went. He went. Every single decision, every single thing we do is important. What's the, what's the call? What's the request? We ask, Lord, to help us in all those things. Now, this is also significant, saints. Go down to verse 22. What is his request there? So David now is just not focused on his own life. David says in verse 22, God redeem Israel from all of its distresses. So David has turned now in this prayer, in his great concern, from not only himself and his own sin and his own iniquity, but he is thinking of, he is thinking nationally here. And whatever political party, whatever side you fall on, I'm not here trumpeting any of that stuff at all. But I am saying we ought to have, we ought to be cognizant to be praying, not only for our country, but also for the world. And David is saying, hey, God, redeem Israel from all of its distresses. Our prayer to be, Lord God, deliver us from all of our distresses. Deliver the body of Christ from its distresses. Now, when we say that we fully understand, but we don't get full, full relief of our distresses until the end time. It's a life that we live. It's a life of dealing with issues. Number one, we look at the creator in our prayer life. Number two, we take all circumstances to him in our prayer life. Number three, we confess all of our sins. Number four, we call on the Lord. Application point number four, we seek the Lord for guidance in all things. Number five, the confidence. Why was David confident in God? Okay, I changed that. Yeah, but I like that one. Why should we place confidence in God? Why why should we do that? Why should we do that? We read magazines on like best cars to buy and stuff like that, right? Y'all get that? You say, hey, what what do you call those little magazines? Um... Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, way to, give, way to give props to your wife. She's like, you're not going to take credit for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. We read those things, right? And we, now, what makes us trust that, right? Because the cars or whatever appliance has been, it's been tested by thousands upon thousands of people, and they work through it, and you get, you get, you get the best blender for your smoothie, those of you who don't eat bacon, right? So you see... <laughs> So you go through, you do your consumer report, right? And there's one in every family, right? There's like a, a smoothie eater and a bacon eater. Clearly, you know where I stand. Uh, so, so, you, so you read the consumer report, you say, hey, like, which, which blender should I buy, right? And what makes you say yes to that blender? Right? What makes you say yes to that thing? 
The yes to the thing comes after you have read the report of many people who have utilized that very piece of equipment or resource that you're seeking to buy. Well, well, why do we place our confidence in God? Why should we place confidence in God? Well, since before antiquity, and we begin to see it in the book of Genesis as it was revealed to us, God is faithful. He is trustworthy. Like, this is the importance of reading your whole Bible and not doing a little flip open your Bible thing and saying, hey, what am I going to read today? I'm sure your pastors are not advocates of that. Right. The importance of reading through the, through the entire Bible so you can see you can see how faithful and good God is to you. It's also very helpful not only to read the Bible, but to read biographies of both men and women who have been faithful to the Lord. And we get to see how faithful God has been to them. So David's confidence was not just based in his own life, although David had lots of confidence and lots of reasons to, to think that the Lord will save him. But it's also because he understood how long God had been faithful to his people. When you see how faithful God has been to Israel, man, when I, when I, when I read the Old Testament, I say if God can be faithful to them for the things they did, now I'm like putting sins in order here, but I'm like, I know he can be faithful to me. <laughs> like what they were doing, that, man, Lord, I know you can forgive me. So it gives me confidence when I read through the scripture that if you do grotesque things like murder people and bury them in the sand, God will still forgive you. He, he can forgive that. If you are a prostitute, he can forgive that. Mass murderer can forgive that. Liars and thieves, he can forgive that. All of that stuff. Those are all biblical examples. So why confidence in him? Why confidence in God? Why should we place our confidence in God that he would do this? Because he has a track record of doing it. You get this in reading the Bible. You get this in reading Bibles. I'm reading through, I read through, I think I'm almost just about done now, George Mueller. Maybe you've heard of this old guy. This man was a prayer. Like all he did was pray. And you, you read through, he's like, look, I, I need 10 pence because, you know, I'm trying to calculate pence to dollars and I'm doing that stuff using Google. Thank God for Google. Now I just say, hey, how much is 600 pence? And it'll tell me whatever it is. He says, I, I need, I need, I need $3,000. I need $3,100. I think is the example that I was looking through a couple of days ago. I need $3,100 in order to get this school built. Right, get this refugee center built for these homeless kids. He says, I prayed, and the next day the Lord sends. Constantly. So I'm saying, okay, Lord, if I am faithful in my prayer life to you, you will send. And now here's the deal. I want, I want, to, I want to kind of close the back door here because what George Mueller was not saying is I'm only exalting my, my financial needs and everything else I really don't need. No, he says, what I need more than anything is prayer that I don't get depressed, that I don't get angry, that I keep my faith in you, Lord. And so as we pray for those things, the Lord constantly reminds us he, we have confidence in him because he has a track record, you all, of helping and loving and serving and keeping us. There's a little snippet here, right? Every single thing written in the Bible is about Jesus Christ. Everything is written about him. And so when I'm reading through, I'm like, Lord, show me Jesus here. Well, we see this in like verses 12, 13, and 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. I'm like, hold up now. (laughs) This good life can't be the good life I'm thinking about. 
uh, the good life that maybe popped into your mind. Oh, it's just me that, that, that imagines my own good life. Okay, cool. All right. So it can't be that good life. So, so Lord, what is the good life? It says the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. Here David is saying that Jesus Christ is and was completely obedient in fear and submission and, 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 and honor to the Lord. And because of that, we get through him the good life. It says his inheritance, his descendants will inherit the land. Now, what land is he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. We get to live lives with God forever because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We have confidence in him that he will keep us. And then, check this out, y'all. Then he closes in verse 21. He says, may integrity and what is right watch over me. What is he talking about? Who has complete integrity? Nobody other than God the Father. Nobody other than Jesus Christ has complete integrity. We look at leadership skills and say, hey, we want a leader with integrity. Man, every leader is fallen, period. We are all dust seeking to do what is right. But 21 says, may integrity and what is right watch over me. There is only one that is right or righteous and his name is Jesus. That's why we place our confidence in him. Here's the struggle with all of us, you all in this thing. And I'm talking to me right now. Time flies when you're having fun. It's level two. Lord have mercy. Somebody said it's okay. Don't say that. <laughs> Why well, didn't hear? Don't say that. <laughs> hey, so listen. Here's the struggle in our prayer life. Number one, let's go back through these things very quickly. Number one, the creator. We exalt the Lord in our prayer life, Right? Number two, all circumstances we take to him, every single one of them. Number three, we confess our sins when we're talking to the father. Number four, the call. We make our requests known to him. And then the fifth thing is the confidence we have in God. Now, now, now David, tap this thing on 21. It says, for I'll wait for you. That's the difficulty sometimes when we pray to the Lord is that we don't think he answers fast enough. You pray for the Lord and he's silent. Don't move. Just don't move. If you're praying and he's silent, just don't move. That's difficult in this fast-paced environment. I'm talking to me. Lord, what should I do? And I'm thinking, look, in the next hour, I ought to have an answer. But when he doesn't answer as fast as I think he should, he is answering. And the answer is just wait. Hey, listen. We, I, I, I'm, again, I'm trying to teach my kids how to wait. I'm on the phone. How many of y'all have been on the phone before your kids run in talking to you? I'm like, hit. Trying to hit the mute button, right? Get out! <laughs> I got some parents in here. Hey, man, good. I'm like, I'm like, you gotta learn how to wait. And then I get off the phone with whomever I was talking to, and I go, I say, Kennedy. I was interviewing a person or talking to a person or praying with the person. You just kept coming in as if I wanted you didn't see me. You got to learn how to wait. And I'm always reminded by God the Father, you ain't no better than she is. You know? Like knock on the door. I'm like, hey, I'm still on the phone. Lord, the Lord is like, knock, knock, knock. He's like, I'm still working. We're knocking. I'm still working. 
You're knocking. I'm still perfecting things for you that you don't know. We're knocking. And he's like, hold on a minute. We don't want to. We're like Kennedy. I'm like Kennedy. I am Kennedy. They say we look alike anyway. I'll show you all the picture. And I never want to wait on the Lord. And so now I have, I'm teaching myself through prayer and through fasting. Kevin, sit your behind down. I'm talking to the third person. I'm getting dangerous now, right? <laughs> sit your behind down and wait on the Lord. He will respond. Here's the beauty. I mentioned George Mueller earlier. I want to kind of close the back door on him. I don't want you to think that every single prayer was answered immediately when he said those things. He notes in his journal sometimes it was hundreds of days before the Lord responded. And then he says something like, I am so glad that I waited. We must wait on the Lord. Here, here's older saints, more mature saints. Here's how we can help young people around us, all the younger people around us, even our peers. Let's find some kind of way to express to them moments. Now, this is a confession of sin both to one another. Moments that we did not wait and we wish that we would have. Like that's what I'm talking with young guys about now. Before I left uh, yesterday, I'm talking with the guy in my basement. I said, listen, man, let's just wait. He's like, no, I don't feel like it. Let me tell you, let me give you some examples of what happened when I didn't wait on the Lord. And I went through those things. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Just wait on the Lord. David says here, may integrity and what is right watch over me for I wait for you. And here's the beauty of us waiting. I'm going to take down, I'm going to sit down. What we really wait for is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to come back and to get us and to redeem us, and to keep us. That's our real wait. So if you're waiting for something to be perfected in this life, you'll be waiting a long time. I've been at 40 minutes. I need to start sitting down. If you're waiting for anything to be perfected in this life, you'll, you'll, you'll be waiting a really long time. Listen, the beauty of the life of the believer is this. Some things go really, really good for us in this life. They do. Because the Lord gives us glimpses of his love and his grace and his mercy. But by and large, when you think about eternity, a billions of years with him, nothing can compare. But here's, the, here's what we wait for. And I'm not trying to say, I'm trying to speak morbidly. I just want to be godly. I'll wait for the day when we close our eyes and then we open them and we are with him. We close our eyes. We open them and we are with him. Death has no power. It has no sting. We wait for the Lord. Let me pray for us now. Before I turn the corner and start talking some more.